that's what I love seeing when people walk away saying, we had the best night. There's nothing like this in Sydney. That's what I love hearing. Like, that's when I'm like, you know what, I've done it. I've done what I needed to do. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. A few decades ago, Australia enjoyed large-scale migration from Lebanon. Its influence began to run a thread through our food industry, but often with accessible offerings. But some operators have showcased Lebanese and its colourful and fragrant beauty in a manner many Australians haven't witnessed before. Chaddy Kazami is the owner of Zafi in Sydney. Chaddy, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. It's good to get you on the show. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. How are things going there in, uh, in Sydney? Um, good. Good. Uh, lots of change from, uh, since COVID, but it's, uh, it's been good. It's been good. We're adapting. <laughs> You're in an area of Sydney which got very quiet during that period of time. Is the clientele a little bit different sort of, um, than it was sort of four years ago? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're located right in the CBD. So um, it's definitely changed a lot since 2019. So it's a lot more, um, yeah, the work from home has taken uh, precedent as well. So a lot of people are, you know, Mondays and Fridays are not what they used to be. Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays are pretty good, but they, they obviously they weren't, uh, they aren't what they used to be at all. So yeah, we've had to wear, we've been changing and working with the change uh, in the environment at the moment. So, yeah. Has, has the restaurant changed in the offering sort of with what you're doing since that period of time? Yeah, well, um, we actually signed this lease back in November 2019. So, uh, this project has been in the works for a while. So, during, the, um, during that period, uh, one of the level, it's a, it's a multi-level venue and we were supposed to have like a coffee and, and breakfast offering. But during the pandemic, um, we knew things were changing completely. So we actually scrapped the coffee and breakfast um, component and we just uh, utilized the space into more of a private dining and restaurant space, um, um, which has been good. But yeah, we're, it's uh, definitely an experience, which is what, we've, what, what, we're, what, we're, what we're doing here at Zafi. So um, yeah. So many things changed in the last few years. Tell us a little bit about Zafi and what you're doing there. Um, I think it was, I think, you know, obviously from 2019 and what we knew and what, you know, what, what everyone knew for so long, everything was changing during the pandemic. People's needs and wants and, um, you know, experiences were all changing. So we, during that time, we were trying to figure out what, it was going to be um, when we came out at the other end. So I think um, we, we, we moved into more of a, a, not a dining, not a bar, not a restaurant. Um, we started to look at Europe and um, the States to see what they're doing and especially the Middle East. Um, and everything is all around, everything is built around food and then it's all just kind of, um, you know, it goes from there. So you got food and then your drinks and then the entertainment and then the music. So, um, it was trying to turn it into more of a supper club um, as opposed to, you know, being in a, being a, you know, designated restaurant or designated nightclub or bar. We were trying to bring all elements in together, uh, bringing it all together just to create one unique experience where, you know, you can come if you want to come for a dining experience, you're there for that. But then it just saves people going, you know, to a club after or, or you know, going to a bar after. You, you're kind of offering it all in one. So, um 
Yeah, that's that's kind of how we came up with that. So it's it's massive in it's very very massive in Lebanon where you go, you see, you eat, and there's entertainment in in front of you, and you're just enjoying it. So um, we're trying to do that here. So and that's so far, it's doing really well. Are there challenges involved in creating a venue that's so multifaceted that and open quite late as a bar as well? Yeah, I'm trying to hold the the, the patrons here as long as possible uh, without them being bored. So I think that's the biggest thing. Um, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, we're open from 5 p.m. for dinner um, on the weekends and, um, you know, people are, People aren't coming necessarily so early on. Um, they're coming, you know, because they want to. They want to see the whole night evolve. So a lot of our bookings are now coming at seven, seven thirty. Um, so we're working through bringing in the people through the earlier sessions. Um, but the, you know, the, they, the people, most people are coming at like you know seven thirty eight. You know, by the time they sit down, by the time all their guests arrive, by the time they sit and eat, the night doesn't really start till about nine thirty you know, 10, that's when, you know, we have the drums and the involvement of the crowd. Um, but we do it in stages where we kind of, you know, strip it back after that first, you know, 20 minute set. It's kind of like a bit of a tease to what they can expect during the night. Um, and then we, you know, strip it back because people are still finishing off their dinner and their main. So we want them to enjoy their food as well. Um, and then as the night progresses, it kind of just ramps up. So it's, it's, it's a party. It's a, it's an unexpected night out. That sounds amazing. Tell us a little bit about the restaurant element and the food. You know, it's, Australians aren't unfamiliar with the amazing um, flavors and colors of, of Lebanon. Um, but, you know, you guys, as well as, you know, a number of other um, well-known chefs like Greg Malouf have really championed that region. Um, tell us what you're doing and, and the food. I've been in food, my family have been in food for 37 years. Mum and dad started a, a catering company December when I was born. So 37 years ago, they started that. Um, and it's, they've, it's become a very massive part of um, the Lebanese culture. Like, you know, mum and dad have really, like dad started off as a, started off with um, immigration. So he was, he was actually helping people. And then, then it turned into something else when he met my mum. Which was massive, and so food's been in my, you know, my blood my whole life. Um, literally, was washing dishes, um, you know, when I was like six, seven years old. Um, I used to go around in the, you know, at the functions and empty the ashtrays. You know, the days where you could smoke inside a, a reception. You know, I used to I used to do all that. So, worked worked with like it was literally all we lived and breathed growing up. You know, like we didn't ever go to, you know, like church or we didn't you know go to friends birthdays or you know family events because we were always working like friday saturday sundays was like always with with the family working so um and then dad used to always tell me you know you know i've, I've actually loved the music industry i love the entertainment industry um and dad was like no no you know at the end of the day people need to eat people need to drink you know you'll never go wrong with food it doesn't matter what you know the world is going through people always need it in a drink so i i've literally Never understood those words until as I got older. So um, I've really taken what he said to me, and um, you know, and just taken what I've learned over the years, um, and you know, just kind of put it all into into this restaurant. Um, that that's that's probably been the biggest thing. But yeah, it's it's literally all we've lived and breathed our whole life, me and my siblings. 
Well, I want to explore the restaurant and the food that you're serving there in detail in a little bit, but take, take us back to when you were young. You know, is there any sort of dishes or foods or feasts that you can tell us about that you remember fondly from when you were young? Yeah, um, Easter. Easter at... Um Easter at my grandparents' house um, was always um, like a thing, especially on the Good Friday where it was always vegetarian friendly. And then, you know, on Easter Day where you'd, you know, have your barbecues and stuff. I think those were the most, my, my, the most fond memories that I had growing up. Um, it was always Easter. Uh, and, you know, grandma spending, you know, a week preparing food and, and, you know, for all out, you know, all her kids and nephews and nieces. So that was the biggest thing. But in terms of food, um, Lebanese is very broad with food. I think uh, I don't think people under like realize how much food uh, recipes there that exist in the Lebanese um, culture. So there is so much. There's an extensive range. Um, I think only people have only seen like you know a handful of dishes, but it, it, there's there's so much. But um, the vine leaves is uh, probably one of my favorite dishes um, growing up until today. It's been one of my favorite dishes. Um, we don't have it as often because it's it's a very time consuming process. Um, wrapping the vine leaves and so forth, but it's probably been my probably the, one of the staple dishes that's always been at a you know Easter or Christmas. It's kind of like a big big deal. Tell us a little bit about the food of Lebanon. You, you mentioned that um, most people don't sort of get a chance to see the depth and breadth of it. Can you can you take us on a bit of a journey and and share some of sort of things that people might not know? Yeah, that's where we um, – when we started looking at what everyone was doing in the industry and the CBD and what there was to offer, there was so much around, you know, vegan-friendly, vegetarian-friendly and, and, and all of that. And I'm just like, you know what? Lebanese food is actually – has all that offering and it's, it's not even – without even trying. Um, so, we just thought like, you know, it, Sydney, it just lacked it, lacked the options that were available in terms of Lebanese food. And I think that – that was pretty much where we um, started. There, there's literally dishes like there's, you know, shanklish, which is you know, it's a it's a dairy dish, but it's it's a very it's a very yummy dish. No one really eats shanklish a lot. Um, then you got fatouche salad and you got tabbouleh. Um, these are all you know, you know, vegan friendly, vegetarian friendly. Um, but there's there's a range. Of, you know, you got from vine leaves. You've got um, uh, the stuffed zucchini, you know, where there's a tomato-based version or the or the yogurt-based version. Um, there's the spicy fish, the samkihara, which is, you know, something that not many people have tried, but it's actually very, very yummy. Um, and I think uh, the other day, actually, when, when Greg was around, um, we had the pop-up with Greg, and we were talking about the kibineya, which is like raw meat, essentially. Um, and he was trying to explain it to the young generation. And... In that moment, we had kind of like a, a aha moment where, you know, we were just talking. She was trying to explain it. We we're just like, it's like a beef tartare, and and that and that's how we could kind of explain it to them. We're like, you know, it's, it's, you know, everyone understands what beef tartare is, but to us, it's kind of like raw meat, or like you can't really explain it properly because um, of the dialect and the breakdown in, in that. So we were just like, oh yeah, so it's kind of like a beef tartare. I was like, oh okay, cool. Um, so everyone kind of then understood. It was a, a very easy way to kind of explain it. So now we're kind of like explaining that to our patients that come in that don't understand what raw meat is or kibine is. But it's just like, oh, it's kind of like a beef tartare. So um, that's been a, that's been a, we've overcome that one, so <laughs> which has been great. But um, yeah, the, like there is just honestly like growing like you know with dad with the catering there was there was nothing that wasn't available to people to order. Like there was so much food like the, the unbelievable amount of food 
um, you know, there's the chicken and potato, um, you know, in the in the oven that was baked with you know lemon and garlic. Um, there's just there's just there's just there's so much. There's so much. Do you have any stories of the influence that your parents had on you? You know, with their catering company or advice that you've taken into sort of your career in food? Um, yeah, I think I think the biggest thing was bringing. Uh, being a, being hospitality, obviously, we're very hospitable people. But I think uh, my parents. We always had people in and out of our house that everything was always based around food. You know, whether people were coming over to meet my dad for a meeting, there was food on the table. Whether there was just, everything was always around food and that was kind of their way of welcoming people. Mum doesn't love cooking. She cooks, don't get me wrong, but she hates it. She doesn't enjoy it at all. Um, but uh, she does the, the, the best Lebanese food. Um, but dad loved cooking. Dad was always in the kitchen. He was always cooking. Um, he'd always just put random things together and always turned out pretty good. Um, but I think it was just always uh, being proud of our, in our heritage and our food and, you know, and what we have to offer. That was the biggest thing that we learned. I didn't understand it growing up. Um, but now as I'm, you know, old, as I'm older, I've really kind of understood, um, the, you know, what he was trying to explain. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, I've obviously, um, yeah, just, yeah, I think food is always something that brings people together. Outside of your parents' catering company, what were your sort of first steps in the the industry? Um, the, the catering was literally the first the first steps. Um, it was me, my older brother, my sister, and my younger brother. All four of us were working in it growing up. Um, my older brother and sister uh, ha- also have a restaurant, um, and uh, yeah, we've just always been around each other and we always bounce ideas off each other but um yeah i think it's just uh i think yeah literally i think my my memories of of hospitality growing up has always been working in the kitchen literally as a kid i can't even explain i didn't really like being at the front of the house and and you know, waiting on the tables. and I was always a very uh, introverted person, but I enjoyed the back end, the, the structure, the operational part of it, you know, um, getting ready for service and, and so forth. That was the most enjoyable part, but that was literally my childhood was always in the back end. Tell us about um, the Carter. Yeah, so Carter's been around for seven years. Um, it's It's been... It's been around for seven years. It's probably one of my greatest um, achievements as well. Um, it has, we opened it up um, with bringing the same idea. Uh, it was bringing, you know, music, entertainment, food, all, all into one and making it one experience. Um, but since COVID, everything has kind of changed. Um, so it's, you know, during COVID, you know, we, we kind of, um, you know, traded throughout it as much as we could, but we kind of got, got pigeonholed. And then, you know, that whole concept and that whole venue, we're going through a restructure at the moment um, and uh, looking at most likely um, closing in January for a three-month uh, renovation period and evolving the business. We've obviously seen the success of Zafi do so well. Um, we've we've had plans for Carter since 2019 as well. We had concepts done, renders done. Um, but we've, you know, because of COVID, we, we couldn't actually do it. Um, but we're now looking at transitioning the venue into, you know, a similar style to Zafisa into a supper club as well. 
but um it's been it's been it's been a journey during covid you know when restrictions went up and down up and down you know we kind of went up and down with it um but now you know it's uh it's due for a a change in direction tell us about the beginnings of the carter and what, what you created um it was it was a very quick project um we had some you know a it, it was a lot of pressure, a quick turnaround project. We had a 10 p.m. license. Um, you know, we had to apply and get a 2 a.m., which got approved. Um, but basically, the idea was I was in, I'm, I'm very much inspired by overseas. I was very much inspired by, um, you know, Beyonce, Jay-Z, you know, Kanye, all these, all these great celebrities. And I was trying to bring that part of entertainment value into and then bringing in great food all into one space, so um, yeah, we did that, and um, we didn't have much, we didn't have any PR uh, team at that moment, um, and um, we had a patron come into the venue once, and you know she messaged me on a emailed me I think on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, and she's like, hey, you know, really, I was there on the weekend, love the Carter, um, can I ask you some questions? I'm like, yeah, cool. So she sent me a whole bunch of questions, and I. Answer them. I, I was I, I flagged the email, but I wasn't even intending to reply to it. And then I'm like, oh, you know, I might just reply to this email. And then I um, responded to it, and I, you know, we talked about you know where was your inspiration come from, you know, you know why Jay Z, Beyonce, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So did that, and I sent it back to her. And next the next day, she did an article about it. I'm like, oh, cool. This it's really cool. Um, cool achievement. And then literally the next day after that, it was probably. For me, it was the biggest thing I've ever seen blow up in my entire life. Like, you see PR blow up, you know, just here in our own little, you know, circle of, of you know, Sydney siders in Australia. But to see this article, one interview that I did blow up, massive around the States. It went everywhere. I was on the news in Texas. You know, it was it was massive. Like, there was it was they went with, like, a Beyonce Jay-Z-themed restaurant opened up in Australia. So... It was everywhere. I was in. I was in the. I was on the news in Texas. I was on every single. I was on Time Magazine. I was in Vogue. I was. It was everywhere. And by the time it went around the whole of America, it then landed in Australia. Then Australia started to pick up on it. And then we literally just we just saw no one coming into the venue to hundreds of people coming into the venue. Like we weren't even prepared for that level of traffic. And from that day, it has been the biggest blessing of my life. It has been like I've never, you know, it, it was such, I was so overwhelmed by it, but it literally is what made the venue, it made Carter what, what, it, what it is today. So it was, it was, it was incredible. So it was, it was insane. Did it change the venue and, and what you did with it, with this focus that it suddenly got? It, it did. The, the one thing is it was, it's very hard to control a narrative once it's out there. So that was one thing. So where we were very focused much on food, um, it started getting pigeonholed into a, as a bar nightclub. So we couldn't – it was very hard to then change the venue when the article's out there for so long. So that was one of our biggest challenges – um, and that's obviously one of the things that we, you know, we, we discussed right now, um, you know, with our branding team uh, in regards to how do we, you know, how do we find the balance of both? You know, how do we evolve the Carter? How do we do it where, you know, we're not pigeonholes a nightclub because, we, you know, we don't want to be a nightclub anymore. We don't want to be a, a restaurant, but how do we control it? So these are the things that we're dealing with right now and how we can, you know, uh, make sure we get it right. 
Um, but yeah, it was it, it was it was crazy. It was the greatest experience of my life. Just to see, you know, Fridays have you know twenty people, fifty people, to then four hundred people, five hundred people lines down the road. Like it was a pretty overwhelming experience. You know, where we weren't ready for it. You know, so it was great. It was great. Tell us a little bit about the food at, at Zaffy. You've got um, executive, uh, or you've got a, your chef in there, um, Graham Hunt, and and yourself. How do you create the the? Are you there? Hello. Have you got me, Chatty? Hello. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the food there at Zaffy. You've got uh, head chef Graham Hunt there. Um, it's. How do you describe the food and is there a dish or two that you can take us through that sort of exemplifies the offering? Yeah. Um, yeah, so Graham was a very um, – it was a it was a very um, natural, fluid relationship that was built over time. Um, I've, I didn't know much about him um, until I met him. Uh, my, fa- my family did a pop-up with him at their restaurant during COVID. Um, I met him then and, you know, just, you know, started chatting. Um, but – Seeing his resume and his background, uh, he's very underrated and very low-key, very humble, uh, and we bonded really, really well. So, um, you know, it's been a journey. It's You know, we've been together since 2021, uh, and only now we've only opened up the restaurant about four months ago. So, we've been together for a while, and he's been there with me on that journey. Um, but, yeah, I think we, we've – it wouldn't say it's Lebanese. Like, I've, I've also – let Graham do his thing, you know, like I don't, I'm not, I want to showcase himself and what he's capable of, but I didn't want to be another Lebanese restaurant, but he's, he's a, he's taken into tradition. He spent some time with my mum to get, you know, some recipes and understand, you know, how to make some of the recipes. Um, And that was probably, that was pretty good experience for him. Um, But you, it's, it's not like a modern take on anything. It's a very, you know, it's Australian Lebanese, where, you know, you have your traditional staple pieces like your hummus, your baba ganoush, your eggplant fateh, but then you have a modern take on, on the kibineya, which he does is like a beef tartare, which is, you know, um, you know raw meat with um, like a hash brown, which is uh, one of our staple pieces here at the moment. Uh, does really, really well. Um, so I think the beef tartare and the kingfish for us um, are our biggest takes um, where – he brings in the Lebanese influence and his take on Lebanese as well on those dishes. You briefly mentioned Greg Malouf a little bit earlier. You, you had a collaboration with him. How did that come about and what did you guys do? Um, Greg's been – my family have known Greg for a while. So, we've worked with him in the past. Um, with um, we, My family used to put on an event called The Magnificence of the Middle East. So, it was basically showcasing the Middle East and – bringing in the greatest chefs. So, Greg Miller was one of them. Shane Delia was another another one. And then bringing, you know, fashion and music and art all in under one room and just celebrating what the Middle East has to offer. So, um, met Greg years ago on, on that. And then I think trying to make the decision on bringing in Greg to Zafi um, because he's a very, you know, fine dining. He's a, he's a you know, great chef. Um, and obviously, Zafi is a... It's not his usual take. So, it was trying to merge the two in a way where we both, you know, we obviously respect him and what he's done um, and then also what we're, what, what we're doing as well. Um, 
but I think, yeah, it was, it was actually great to work with him. He's a very, very chill, very humble man. Um, he's, a, he's a really, really nice person. And in terms of the dishes that he created, I think the, um, the salmon nayi was, is, is till today my favorite one. I actually just came from the kitchen now asking him for a plate of it. <laughs> um, the salmon nayi is my favorite dish that he's, he's um, created. It's, um, we've got it now on our menu, um, but it's, it is just yum, 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 yum. Tell us a bit about the dish. Um, well, it's, uh, obviously, you've got your the, – the traditional version of it is kibineya, which is, uh, you know, a minced lamb. Uh, and you eat it raw, but it's got wheat in it and, you know, a lot of herbs and spices in it. Um, he does a version, but with salmon. So, everything is exactly the same, except instead of using uh, minced meat, he's using um, salmon, which is, is just really um, – you don't taste the difference – if you were to put side by side and try them both, you wouldn't really taste the difference. But my favorite, I don't know what it is about the salmon. It's just, it's so yum. It's so fresh. Um, it's just full of flavor. And it's just, I, f- I find it a little bit lighter to eat than the, the raw meat. Where do you see Lebanese food in Australia at the moment? Do you, do you feel like it's um, reached a certain level of maturity or has a long way to go? How do you see it? Uh, I feel like it has a long way to go. Um, I don't. You see, there's a lot of restaurants of, you know, you've got a lot of Thai restaurants, you've got a lot of, you know, Japanese restaurants, they're everyone, every corner. There's not as many Lebanese and it's been, it's, 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 what I've never understood is that it's a very, I feel like underrated food um, because it's, because it's, it, it is vegetarian friendly, it is vegan friendly, like there's so many options, like it, it everything could be, um, you know, made to, to someone's, uh, you know, w- what they can and can't eat. Um, that's what I've. That's what I've found. Like I feel like there's there's still a long way to go. There's a lot of re- uh, restaurants. You know, you got Jimmy's Falafel now, which is that's doing really well. So that's kind of like pushing you know the Lebanese food and bringing that to the forefront. So I feel like people are getting onto it now uh, and realizing that there is a lot more that Lebanese you know have offer and and haven't offered yet. So there's you know it's not just chicken or um, you know or lamb or you know tabbouleh. There's just so much more that you know, Lebanese food is than just the staple pieces that people know. Yeah, I, I still think it's still early days. I think it's it's going to do really well. What plans do you have for Zafi over the next sort of year or two? Um, I have a meeting tomorrow, actually, uh, around regards to it. I've got a meeting with uh, the landlord um, just to see um, uh, what more we can do. We're in a building that's completely vacant, so we're, we're looking to see what else we can do with the space. We're booked out months in advance at the moment, so we're, we're on a... We're trying to figure out how we can fit more people in. Um, <laughs> so I think we haven't really scraped the surface at the moment, but I think in the next, um, I think the next twelve months, I think uh, we'll, we, we're working on building our brand to, you know, that brand will be taken a lot more serious, and um, and that's going to be around a long time to come, you know. So we don't want to be here and gone, you know, in two or three years' time. We're trying to build something that will be around for a while and. You know, just a reliable brand, a reliable place that people can go have some good food, create some good memories that they'll keep with them for their life. That's that's the biggest thing. Tell us a little bit more about the entertainment side of things. Um, you mentioned about wanting to keep people there uh, beyond just eating dinner. What, what sort of things would they enjoy into the night? Um, I think just the, the, the vibe. I think it's just the vibe, the atmosphere. It's just it's... Um, we have a lot of uh, the biggest feedback we've received at the moment from Lebanese people is to see other 
nationalities in there and enjoying and embracing our culture. Like that is very, very rewarding for all of us. You know, I think me seeing all walks of life come in and, and embrace our culture and the music and the drums and the food, everyone just has a good time. There's no, in, there's no intention other than just coming in and having a good time and just people being involved with each other. So it's been... It's been rewarding. Like it's like I said, you you come in and we 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 try not to even start you know the Lebanese music because sometimes people you know they're sitting there they're still eating, but they haven't really had a few you know once they've got a few drinks in them and they've had a few cocktails they start to loosen up a bit and you know the rest just the intuition just goes out the window. They're, everyone's just like having a good time. So. But yeah, that, that our biggest challenge is sometimes during the night. It's like, okay, are we ready to start the drums? Are they are the people vibing yet? Have, you know, is it started late? You know, do we have enough? Uh, you know, have they? You know, are they a bit relaxed before they start enjoying themselves? Because sometimes you could, st- you know, start it early and it's just there's no vibe. You know, because people are still like, no one has the the urge to get up and start dancing. So once you get one table up, everyone starts to get up. So, um, like I said, for us, it's just making sure we give great service, great food, and a good night where people just leave with, you know, with, you know, just happy, you know, so. Well, it's very exciting what you're doing there, Chatty, in, in the centre of Sydney. What, what do you love about what you do? Um, I like providing a space for people to create a life memory, you know. Um, that's, that's always, that's my number one, the, the reason why I do what I do. Um, and that's something that I learned from my dad, you know. So, I think... You know, you know, people, you know, have their thirtieth birthdays here. You know, they spend all day buying their dress. You know, the girls spend their days, you know, buying their dress, getting their makeup and hair done, and it's a night out for them, and that's a memory that's going to live with them for the rest of their life. So, trying to create a space for those for the guests—that's my my biggest thing. That's that's what I love seeing when people walk away saying, "We had the best night." There's nothing like this in Sydney. That's what I love hearing. Like that's when I'm like, you know what, I've done it. I've done what I needed to do. You know, so um, obviously there's always w- uh, ways to improve um, the venue. And we're not perfect, but I think as long as the foundation is there, and th- that's kind of the main thing. But yeah, I think guests having, you know, coming to our venue to spend their nights with us, that is a very overwhelming experience. So we we got to live up to making sure that they have a good night. Well, uh, Chatty, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Um, pl- please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. For sure. Hopefully we see you down at Zuffy soon. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.